you so much. Well, sometimes something just has to go. And this week, what had to go was a sermon on Ephesians. I just couldn't get to it. Sermon preparation takes a considerable amount of time, and there just wasn't enough time uh, for that this week. Every preacher has uh, what we call a sermon barrel. Uh, Mason's just starting his sermon barrel. I've got buckets of them over in my office. And I just had to go back into the barrel this week and uh, redone a sermon that I did some years ago here. And I think that uh, it too will be an appropriate sermon for where we are as a church today. I'm going to preach from Psalm 139. You'll turn there. We'll pick up with Ephesians next week. We've got plenty of time to get to Ephesians. Psalm 139. I'm going to read the entire psalm, all 24 verses. So we hear God's word. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can you, I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I take the, my bed and make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light, night, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book they were all written. The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. It's God's word. The sermon in itself, isn't it? Pray. Father, thank you so much for your uh, love for us. Again, you, you show that in so many different ways. And one of the greatest ways you've shown that your love for us is 
by giving to us your word. It's so precious. It's so dear. It really is our meat and our drink. It is a light into our path, a lamp into our way. It is water for our thirsty souls. It's food for our hunger for righteousness. And we pray that you would use your word effectively in all of our lives today to show us more of who you are and what you mean to us and what you do for us every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said before, probably said it many times, but one thing that will help you the most in your spiritual life is simply to know more about God. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what situation you face, there's a direct relationship between your understanding of who God is and your ability to trust Him with your life. The more you know God, the more you know about God, the more you'll be able to understand His ways and the, the more you'll be able to trust Him day by day in faith and courage and in hope. And so one of our most prior, important priorities as believers is simply to come to know God more. Some of you were here almost 11 years ago when I... Uh, started standing behind this pulpit regularly and my first series of sermons here was on the character of God because I believe it is foundational for us we need to know who God is and that's what Psalm 139 does for us and it tells us it tells us of the character of God and I'm not sure there is a passage in scripture that is explicit, as explicit and as direct and as clear in his teaching about the character of God, as is Psalm 139. I've given this sermon the title, Our Wonderful God. And I want you to just think about that for a moment. What, is it, what does the word wonderful mean? The word wonderful means full of wonder. Isn't that what God is? God is full of wonder to us. You know, Isaiah says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He's just beyond us. He is full of wonder to us. And we see that described for us in Psalm 139. He gives us three of the primary major attributes of God. His omniscience, His omnipresence, and His omnipotence. Now those are big words. But they just mean this. They mean that God knows Everything He is omniscient. The God is always present everywhere. He is omnipresent. And the God is all-powerful. That is, He is omnipotent. You know, last week from, in my sermon from Ephesians 5, the first two verses, there Paul tells us to be imitators of God. And I talked about how there are some ways we can imitate God and some ways we can't. And I even mentioned these three attributes as being a part of what we know as God's incommunicable attributes. Those attributes of God that define Him as God Himself. Attributes He does not share with us. That's what Psalm 139 gives us. So these wonderful attributes of God that define Him as who He is. And I want us to look at them this morning. In the first six verses we find a description 
of God's omniscience or the fact that he is all-knowing. But what I want you to see this morning is that the stress here is not so much theological. And theologians like to unravel these great truths of the omniscience and omnipresence and omnipotence of God. But Paul's stress here is not theological, but it's personal. David not only focuses on the vastness of God's knowledge or on the fact that God knows everything, but instead he dwells on the fact that because God knows everything, God knows you and God knows me. Notice, however, that God's knowledge is not just general. God's knowledge is intimate. God knows every detail of your life. He knows everything there is to know about you. Now, on the one hand, I don't know about you, but to me, that's just a little bit intimidating. That's the wrong word, isn't it? That's a little bit frightening. It scares me sometimes to think that God not only knows what I say and what I do, but he knows my thoughts. He knows my desires. He knows my motives. It can be a bit frightening, can't it? To realize God knows it all. But the purpose of this psalm is not to frighten. It's to comfort. It is to encourage the purpose of this psalm is to give us a sense of assurance that, that God is who He is and God knows everything about you and about me. He knows all of your needs. He knows all of your cares. He knows all of your concerns. He knows all of your pain. He knows all of your anxiety. Jesus, or God, knows it all. Notice what he says in Psalm, in verses 1 through 3. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when, when, I, when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Notice kind of the intensity of the words he uses there. You've searched me. You've scrutinized my path. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. It's almost as though the, the psalmist is saying God has his, his own personal spiritual x-ray machine through which he can see you completely and know everything about you. Isn't that what the Bible says, though? Remember? Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks in a different way. God looks at the heart. God searches you and God knows you. You see, there is never a time in your life when God is not aware of what you are going through. Never a time in your life when God doesn't know what is happening to you. God's not just aware of it. God's intimately aware of it. He's not just aware of what is happening to you. He's aware of you. And what you're going through in that particular situation. And he says in the text, it doesn't matter if you're sitting or standing, you're 
running or walking, no matter where you are in life, God knows where you are. And I want you to notice how David responds to that knowledge of God in verse 6. He's overwhelmed by it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, he says. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. When, when, when David kind of stood back and he, he focused his mind and his heart upon God and he realized how intimately God knew him, how perfectly God was aware of him, all he could do was say, I can't grasp that. This kind of knowledge is more than I can understand. It's too high. I, I cannot attain to it. How do you respond to that? Does, the, does this awareness that God knows everything about you, does it frighten you? Are there things in your life that you really don't want God to know? Are there things that you do when you think you're alone and you think no one knows that you really don't want God to know? Are there thoughts going through your mind that no one can see? But you know, God knows. Does that frighten you this morning? If, if so, this psalm is a prod to repentance, isn't it? To turn from those things that would displease him, things you don't want him to be aware of or to know. Or, or does this psalm comfort you? That's what, that's what the psalm really is designed to do, to bring you comfort. To bring you a sense of peace. To encourage you to know that, that God knows you so well that there's a never a moment of your life, no matter what you're facing, that you're outside of God's knowledge. That He's always aware of who you are and what you're doing. Maybe it overwhelms you like it did with David. Maybe you say, Man, I just can't grasp that. It's more than I can more than I can take. It's a humbling thing, isn't it? To realize there's a God who knows everything there is to know about us. I would say that points us to the fact that we have a wonderful God. A wonderful God who knows everything there is to know about us. But in the second place, we find uh, that God is omnipresent in verses 7 through 12. That is, God is present everywhere at all times. Now, once again, the focus is not theological, it's personal. Not just on the fact that God is present everywhere at all times but because of that he is always present with you and he's always present with me again I want you to see this word in the personal nature of this psalm and how David takes these great theological truths and applies them in a very practical way to our lives you see not only does God know you as we just saw a moment ago but he's always present with you he never leaves you and so there's a sense, there's a sense in which you're never, ever really alone. Even when you feel the loneliest, there is someone, and that's with a capital S, there's someone there with you. There's someone who understands you and what you're going through. But it isn't that, isn't that really what loneliness is. Loneliness is thinking there's nobody who's really there. 
And you know what I mean by there. I don't mean there. I mean there. You can feel lonely in a room full of people, can't you? If you're in a room full of people and you know you feel isolated, nobody really knows you, and there's nobody who there is interested in you or cares about you, you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely. Not in my notes, but let me just say it: no one ever ought to come into this church and feel lonely. No one ever ought to walk in these doors and feel like nobody cares. Or nobody's interested. Loneliness is just that. He's feeling there's nobody that's that. Nobody cares. And what the psalm is saying is that God is always there. You know, Carrie mentioned in Sunday school this morning about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's always with us. God's with us by the presence of His Holy Spirit. But it's not just a theological truth. It is a practical reality that God is always there with you. He promises never to leave you nor to forsake you. Look at the text. Verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And you know what the, the answer to that question is, don't you? There's nowhere. There's nowhere you can go to escape God's Spirit. No place you can go to flee from God's presence. And then in the next several verses, David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just makes that clear. He points to different areas where you might think you could go where God isn't. Verse 8, if I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. Now he's not talking there, I don't think, about heaven and hell, but he's talking about the heavens and the heights of the heavens and the depths of the earth. Go as high as you want into the atmosphere and God is there. Go as low as you can get in the depths of the earth and God is there. Then he goes on to verse 9. If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell in the remotest part of the sea. What is the dawn? It's the sunrise out on the horizon. As the, sometimes when I'm walking early in the morning and I, I walk back down Briarwood Road toward the east and the sun is beginning to rise out in that horizon. It's almost endless, isn't it? And the psalmist says, go as far as you can go toward the horizon. And God is there. Then he talks about the depths of the sea. Well, the seas can be overwhelming, can it? And out in the middle of the ocean, and all there is around you is water. You lose all sense of bearing, all sense of direction. And the psalmist is saying, look, you can go out into the middle of the sea, the depths of the sea, it doesn't matter. And God is there. See what the psalmist is doing? He's saying, it doesn't matter where you go. As far as you can go up or down or out or even into the uttermost parts of the sea, God is always present. He's always there. See, God is not some distant, preoccupied deity. 
God is very much present with you every day of your life. I don't know about you, but that brings me great comfort. You know that I'm never, ever alone. Man may fail me, but God never will. Man may leave me, but God never will. He's always there. So no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, no matter how dark or gloomy the days may appear to be, God is always there with you. And he says, in that regard, one other aspect of life that can make us feel isolated, and that's the darkness. Confession time. I have never liked the dark. Didn't like it as a child. I don't like it today. I get very, very uneasy in the very dark. You lose your sense of direction there, don't you? Sense of space and just very unsure about things when it's in the dark. Notice what he says in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the night around me will be night. Verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. No matter how dark the place in your life, whether it's physical darkness, emotional darkness, spiritual darkness, you have the light of God. He shines the light into your life. What what was Jesus called? Jesus said, I am the light, light of the world. He shines light into the darkest places in our lives. He's always there. What you want you to see is even when it's dark, there is light. Even when you feel alone, God is there. And he is always there with you. Trust in him and he will guide you through every difficulty that you face. Some of you are going through some dark times of life. We talked about this week, but that's not the only situation, I'm sure. And you're probably struggling with your financial situation at home. That's a dark place if you don't know where to, how you're going to pay your bills. Some of you are struggling with your marriage. Difficulties there, and that could be a dark place. Some of you are struggling with children. Little children underfoot, and unruly, trying to get a handle on it, trying to discipline your children, and it's frustrating. Be dark. Some of you are concerned about family members who don't know the Lord. You're concerned about their eternal destiny. You don't want them to die apart from Christ. You want to see them in heaven. And as time goes on and their hearts become harder and their interest in Christ becomes even less, it can be a very dark place. Remember, God is always there. He's always present with you. Even in your darkest moment, He shines the light of Christ. I would say that because God is omnipresent, He is a wonderful God. And then, thirdly, we see that God is all-powerful in verses 13 through 22. 
Here we find God's omnipotence. Now again, once again, it's not just a theological abstract truth that David is unraveling for us here, but it's a personal application of this truth to our hearts and to our lives. And it's because God is omnipotent. He goes on to tell us, God made you, God will guide you, and God will protect you. Is this psalm really comes down to the basic question of your existence? Why are you here? What is your purpose in life? You get to the very question of your own self-worth, your sense of self-value, your sense of dignity before the Lord. You see, you're not here, and the text makes it clear, you're not here because of some cosmic accident. You're not here because of some quirk of nature. You're not here as a result of some long, drawn-out, evolutionary process. You're here because God made you. And God put you here. Look at the text. Verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. God is omnipotent. We talk about God creating all there is and God giving life. How new babies are a gift of God. But do you see the intimate way the psalmist describes it? God, wove you, he says. Formed you. Molded you. Shaped you. You're not just made in the image of God. You're made the way God is designed for you to be. You stand before the mirror and there's something there you don't like. Your nose, your ears, your hair, your complexion, whatever it is, you stand there and say, there's something I don't like. What you're saying is, God made a mistake. No, He didn't. No, He didn't. He has woven you. He has knitted you together. And you're just like He has made you to be. But not only does God make you, God also guides you. Look at the text. Verse 15 and 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. All of our lives take many twists and turns. They go up and down, up hills, down valleys. You don't know what another day will bring. Our lives take something of a wandering journey. And all the way through those twists and turns, we know God is is directing our paths. That's what the book says. In your book they were all written. The days that were ordained for me. When as yet 
There was not one of them. We can trust that God is unfolding his life. Wednesday night I talked about the curtain. How God pulls the curtain back moment by moment to reveal his will for our lives. Our days are ordained before we are born. I didn't say that. God said it. He guides us through life. And then he protects us. And we see that in verses 17 through 22. I'm not going to go in detail in those verses, but this is portion of the psalm is what we know as an imprecatory psalm. Where, where the psalmist is kind of calling God's wrath down upon God's enemies. If anyone ever needed God's protection, it was David. If it was anyone who knew the enemies of God, it was David. Here David is calling out for God to defeat his enemies. And in doing so, to protect David and his life as well. I want you to know that God will protect you too through all the dangers that you face and the difficulties that you encounter. God made you. God guides you. God protects you. All because he is omnipotent. So we've seen three, haven't we? God is all-knowing. God is always present everywhere. God is all-powerful. Because of that, God knows you. God is present with you. God made you, guides you, and protects you. I want you to notice David's response to that, first in verse 17 and then in verses 23 and 24. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. And notice his response in verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. David's response, personal response to his awareness of these three wonderful attributes of God was a desire and a prayer for personal purity. I said a moment ago, these three attributes are things God holds in and of himself. We cannot imitate God's omniscience, his omnipresence, or his omnipotence. But what the knowledge of those things does is it drives us to want to have a pure heart before him. That's David's prayer. Search me, O God. Remember, he's already said, you've searched me and known me. And so he says, look, if you're going to search me, do it real. Search me completely. Search me, O God, he says. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful, wrong way in me. And if so, lead me in the everlasting life. I said a moment ago that one of the most important things will help you in your spiritual life is to know more about God. It's where it leads. It's where it leads. The most holy people are the most are the people who know God the most. Who know Him and want to live their lives before Him. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, who enables us to know God the best. He is the image of the Father.
And as we know Jesus, then we know the Father. And we can understand more of who He is, how we can live our lives before Him. So remember as you leave today, these three great, wonderful attributes of God. His omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence. And be encouraged that He knows you. He's always with you. And He guides you every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for this psalm. I pray it be an encouragement to all of us. Father, I thank you for your knowledge of us, your presence with us, your watch care over us, your power over us. And I pray your blessing upon each one of us here that might rest in that today. Take comfort in it. Be encouraged by it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.